What's up, guys? This is Brett Saunders. This is Holden Janish. And Pat Down. We're here live. Episode, I guess it's not really live. Episode three. <laughs> Very excited. We're talking about our, our good friend Frank Ocean. And uh, Miguel as well. Talking about more specifically from Frank, uh, Blonde with an E. Mm. And then Miguel will be going through a couple of his albums, Kaleidoscope Dream and Wild Art or Wild Heart. We might touch on the first album that he made, which is All I Want Is You. <laughs> there we go. But I think, yeah, I think we'll probably focus more so with Miguel on Classcope Dream and Wild Heart. Two amazing albums. So yeah. we'll touch on that. But I think our spotlight uh, artist for this episode is definitely Frank. Yeah, moving forward, and we kind of talked about this, but we want to do, like Brett said, a spotlight artist and then a featured artist. So we'll really focus on frank compare and contrast his two main albums uh talk about the what was the first one nostalgia ultra mm-hmm. is that what it's called mm-hmm. and then use miguel as another reference kind of they're in the same family we'll we'll talk about like emotional depth musical talent and production and yeah so it'll be a good episode new new logo new configuration on itunes it won't take as long as it did for the next episode to come up so we should have episodes up by the weekend every weekend uh we record on tuesdays usually so then that gives me enough time to edit it and send it out by like should be like friday saturday sunday so you won't need to wait eight days for the next episode also for you out there all of you out there listening we will be putting up playlists to complement each podcast on Spotify, uh, it'll be under my username, B-E Saunders, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S, 9-0. Each playlist will correspond to the artist. We'll have about 22 songs on each playlist to help you guys get through, listen to what's good, that we that, that we all collectively think is good from each artist. So be on the lookout for that as well. We'll link the Spotify playlist and also our social media in the description for this episode. What's up, guys? Brett Saunders here with Listeners Anonymous. Just listened to Blonde. Great experience every time. I love that album. We are going to get into a little bit of Christopher Francis Ocean, otherwise known as Frank Ocean. A little background. I think it's pretty interesting. He started his career as a ghostwriter, actually. That was about like seven or eight years ago. And in 2010, not many people know this, but he first became famous because he was with Odd Future. So he was friends with Tyler, the Creator, and Domo Genesis, and uh, Jasper Dolphin, and all those guys. And so that's kind of how he's famous. He dropped Nostalgia Ultra in 2011, I want to say. Um, that was a like a traditional mixtape. And then Channel Orange was in 2012, one of our favorite albums on the podcast. And then just this year, Blonde. One of the best albums of the year, we think. We just listen to it. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, so I think we can start off with each of us going around and saying what we believe the album is, give some highlights of songs that we really enjoyed, and a general overview of how we felt about about the album. So I remember I first listened to this album. I texted Brett right after. I was like, dude, so in the feels. <laughs> so in the feels. I, I loved it, though. My favorite song on the album is White Ferrari. If we're going to go into my placement of this album, I would put it as a vibe. 
I would not place this under True Vibe. In consideration of, I don't believe that he changed music culture with this album. I also think that there's a few songs on this album that I don't necessarily think are True Vibes in itself. I think that I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily classify them as a misfire, mm. but retain me from classifying this album as a True Vibe. So, Frank Ocean has been one of my favorite artists, period, um, probably since, you know, I, I didn't start liking music until about 2012 and Channel Orange came out. Uh, so right around then, I, I had Spotify, I think, and I was starting to stop downloading songs onto my flip phone, but I got an iPhone, and so I was getting into music, um, and it was a really exciting time, and so I was like really exploring the music world. And I remember thinking about you got very popular and I don't even know how long it was like radio worthy for because it it's like pretty intense. It's very vocal. It's not super poppy. It's it's more emotional than the radio usually goes. But I remember I heard it on the radio. I Googled the lyrics like we've all done. It popped up. I listened to the whole album. I love that album. And we'll talk more about Channel Orange in a little bit. But this album for me was highly anticipated i had a lot of anxiety about it because i had waited so long um and i think obviously he did that on purpose but anxiety not necessarily in a bad way but just that i couldn't wait to hear what this album was and channel orange set the standards so high for me that i was pretty nervous that it wasn't going to live up to it all in all i think it did live up to the hype i don't think it's as good of an album but i think it pleased me um as a lover of music as a lover of r&b and soft hip-hop i think frank ocean really showcases his vocals on this album here and there maybe not as much as i would want to he does a little bit of like the what's it called brett the pitch changer pitch shifter pitch shifter so he kind of sounds like a little alien that's how i like to think of it but this album for me i think it's a vibe i think it's a high vibe and i know we don't we don't like really break down that category um and that's for a reason But like Billy said, I don't know how much this is going to change the game for R&B. I think the nature of R&B is that it is, it's kind of an oldie genre by nature. It stemmed from like, you know, like the jazz era and obviously it's R&B is rhythm and blues. And so uh, this album for me, yeah, it's a vibe. It can't be a true vibe. I wish it was. It just has a few songs exactly like Billy said, that aren't misses, but they aren't fantastic. They aren't uh, like blow me away songs. And I think all of the albums that we have in true vibe don't have any songs that we can talk over. Uh, We were having a conversation during the, like the quote unquote listening party. And we realized that we had talked over uh, Siegfried, I think was the song. And we were like, crap, we, we all wanted this to be a true vibe, but we realized like if we're, if we're missing songs, from front to back and it's not even acknowledged it kind of just falls to like the back of our minds i don't know how much it can um move up from a vibe so that's that's kind of my thoughts so saying it's a vibe definitely as you go deeper into the album get towards the end there's like siegfried and also godspeed all and the skits throughout the facebook story and be yourself i know that be yourself leads into solo which brett is a big fan of and i understand that i'm just not the biggest fan of having skits and albums 
And I feel like when you go from this R&B kind of hip-hop, little rap, into just hearing Frank Ocean's mom speaking on a phone, it kind of like throws you off, definitely, for me at least. And Facebook story having some random guy just speaking about how he had a girlfriend and how she wanted him to friend her on Facebook and how we're so attached to our phones. Although there's deepness in that song, it is a lot different from, I feel like, the rest of the album. My favorite song off of this is Nights, along with so many others. It's such a great album. And I was going through this really quietly, having my phone up to my ear, figuring out when the beat changed up. And it is at 3.30 where it goes like, it goes off. He goes off and starts like rapping in like a different pitch. It's so good. 3.30, if you're going to skip through the song, well, first of all, don't. And if you want to hear the best part of this song is at 3.30 when the beat switches up and he goes into a little bit more of a rap, which I'm such a big fan of. Yeah, Nights is an interesting track. For whatever reason, I think it's because I'm really impatient with music. And all, my, my bias uh, kind of leaks through, like, my listening to something, especially for the first time. You know, I adore Channel Orange, and I wanted Channel Orange again, and that's not what I got. And I'm happy that it's different, but I think, for whatever reason, I know it's at the end of the... Is it at the end of the album? It's kind of, like, in the middle of the mm-hmm. album. Um, and so I don't remember why I didn't catch on to Nights at first, but it is probably in my top three songs for the album. Maybe top five, but it's fantastic. The interesting thing I wanted to say was the part that Patrick was talking about. That's the only time in the album, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he uses the pitch shifter, but he only uses it like halfway when he's rapping. So he either goes like normal voice or he does like that little alien thing I was talking about. But for whatever reason, in the in that second or in that like final third of nights, he uses that middle ground. It's not his regular voice, but it's not the high pitched voice. And I just thought that was that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I would say, for me, this album is a great arrangement. I think top to bottom, minus the skits, because the skits really aren't a musical piece. There's someone speaking. Uh, but top to bottom, I think this album was put together with a lot of thought and with a lot of care. It was four years in the making since Channel Orange. And it's very noticeable. I personally believe that Blonde is a high vibe. I love it. Frank put a lot of his heart and soul in it. The one thing I love most is that Frank went to other musicians with this album. It wasn't just him. It was him going to timeless to timeless people in the game who are, who are legendary in the music industry. And he also went to young people in it as well and gave them a chance to really shine on this album. This album has a lot of genres within it also. It's not, although on iTunes, which I would disagree with iTunes on this, but on iTunes they call it a pop album. I would say this album bridges a lot of different genres. It bridges R&B. It bridges soul. It bridges hip-hop. It bridges even soft rock. Just like really interesting pieces to a puzzle that fit together beautifully uh gotta give it a high vibe i love frank's vocals in this his vocals are shine beautifully in solo 
solo, he shows his register both low and high. He goes deep into it. Uh, I'd say even White Ferrari. White Ferrari is very emotional. One of my favorites. Um, but I'd, I'd say his shining moment in this album, as far as vocal goes, is Godspeed. Godspeed feels... Godspeed gives you that gospel feel. Once again, another genre, gospel, right there. He gives everybody a little bit of something. And I think that's what makes a great artist. So top three favorites on this album, I would have to say number one is White Ferrari. Number two is Knights. And number three is Solo. Knights, just like Patrick said, oh my gosh, such an amazing song. I love it. Very influential and a great one. So... All day, every day, vibe. A few things. First of all, I don't know if people are like playing touch football upstairs. We're in a basement right now. It is crazy loud. I don't know if you'll be able to hear this after I mix the audio, but uh, we want to just imp- apologize in advance for that. I don't know what they're doing up there. I wanted to say, before we get into like the congruencies between Channel Orange and Wand, even though they're very different, there are a lot of things that we can compare. I wanted to talk a little bit about... So, Andre 3000, one of my favorite rappers, he's influenced a lot of rap nowadays that people don't really don't really pick up on. Um, that's probably because the only reason anyone knows about Andre is because of the song Hey Ya by Outkast, which is a fantastic song, but that's the only reason anyone knows about Outkast unless you've like sought them out. Andre, fantastic rapper. Uh, so yeah, he is. He does solo reprise by himself, minus like the uh, production and whatnot. I think it's a great rap. I was really surprised by it. They don't give him credit on the track list, which I think is just because he doesn't give anyone credit, and that's not to spite anyone. That's just the way he wants the album to look, which I don't mind. Uh, I don't think it's out of spite at all. But going back to Channel Orange. Andre 3000 is on Pink Matter, which is a fantastic song. We will talk more in depth about Channel Orange in a little bit. But I want to say he does that a few times. So, yes, Frank Ocean, fantastic at rapping. Not a lot of people know that. An amazing rapper. An elite rapper in terms of skill. But he also he features people that are worth mentioning. Um, Andre on Pink Matter. Um, still on Channel Orange, we're looking at White. He has got John Mayer on it. I want to talk about John Mayer a little bit. Amazing at guitar. Um, that's where he like shows his skills in White. If you click on John Mayer... So let's say you're on Spotify, you're looking at the album. You see White, it says John Mayer. You can click on John Mayer. Go to John Mayer's last album, Paradise Valley. The song Wildfire is the first track, but there's a Wildfire with Frank Ocean. That's the eighth track. That's actually my favorite song. That's one of my favorite vocals by Frank Ocean. It might be my favorite vocal showcase of Frank Ocean. So we will put that on the Spotify playlist. But Frank and John Mayer must be friends, I'm assuming. Uh, they go back and forth. And I love that Frank Ocean creates relationships with his music. Um, he creates a relationship with Andre 3000, with John Mayer. On the new album, he does the same thing. You see Pharrell in a lot of the stuff. You see Beyonce's in there. You see Kanye a little bit. Francis is on there time and time again. What Frank Ocean does is he brags about his friends with his music, and I love that. Earl Sweatshirt, one of the best verses in all of rap. Sorry if this is too much 
of a generalization, but Super Rich Kids, I think that is a crazy song, and Earl Sweatshirt's verse on that is amazing. Uh, one thing that I loved about what Frank Ocean did with this album, so if we look at Channel Orange, Channel Orange seemed pretty well produced, but it didn't have this idea of reduction in it. I think a lot of the songs had potentially overproduced. Some of them had a feel of the time. So of the time, I'd say 2012, there really wasn't much reductionist going on. And by reductionist, I just mean taking out certain parts of the of the instrumentation so that the vocalist itself can shine through. So I'd say Crack Rock, Pyramids, Monks, those songs would be the ones that are pretty pretty overproduced. But then if we look at Blonde, Frank Ocean, I think tapered it all or brought it all down a little bit and allowed himself to shine through more so. Uh, it's a very clean album. And by clean, I mean the instrumentation is well-placed. There's not anything that you listen to and think that shouldn't have been there. I think everything that's in there was well thought through and carefully placed. The guitars, the way that the amps and pedals were used, so beautiful, so well-made. And I think that goes back to uh, someone who I don't think we've ever mentioned, but he should get big kudos, is Rick Rubin. Uh, he is a producer for many different artists, and I think he in some way influenced this album, I'm sure. Uh, look him up, Rick Rubin. He's a producer, believes in reductionist albums, does a great job at it. But I think this album, if we could classify it as as a type of color, it is blonde. It is white. It's very, yeah. very clean and just well put together. So I love that. Yeah, Brett is our local producer um, between our group. He does some stuff with music, um, and we love him for it. He, he's got some stuff on our episodes, and so we always like to plug him. But he obviously knows the most about production. Now, I kind of have a question. So I don't know too much about like reductionist, like that vein of music. But if I had to guess, I would say that reductionist music sometimes overcompensates and it seems too stripped down and then there's no room to work you're kind of stuck in like this skinny hallway where you have to you're way too worried about the music being too loud so then the music's too soft and then it's like when you turn the treble up too much in your car and then the bass goes down too much and it just doesn't sound right that is not what this album does correct me if i'm wrong i agree i agree i think the production makes a statement, but it doesn't do too much. Blonde is just, it's state of the art. It's just, it is what it is. It's white, it's pure, it's simple. And I think that's what all of those adjectives work for this album. I wanted to do a little thing about skits and just our opinion on skits in music. It's kind of an interesting thing. You see it here and there, not all the time. I thought, I really thought it was interesting that he put it in here based on the nature of the album the album is simple it doesn't necessarily have too much of an agenda it's very distant it, it has emotional tones but it's like he's almost afraid to really get into it and we'll talk more about how that's different with miguel but he masks his um, emotional vulnerability not that it's not there but that it's just you have to work to find it and I love that about Frank Ocean. But it's so interesting to me that because that's the case, I would not have expected him to put things on there like 
like Facebook story and be yourself. Yeah. Be yourself just because those, and maybe, and obviously like he does everything for a reason, but those are, those both have an agenda and they both slap you in the face. Um, and that, and Frank Ocean is not a slap you in the face artist. So I wanted to open that up, hear what you guys think about skits in general and just like the two specifically on blonde. Yeah, I'd say before going into skits in general, I would definitely say that he is a little more emotional than I'd say he was even on Channel Orange. I'd Mm -hmm. say he goes a little bit deeper into who he is. Uh, Self-control, white Ferrari. Yeah, even Knights. Knights talks about him being on a tour bus and, you know, the life of touring. Mm -hmm. So I think he's a little more introspective than he was on Channel Orange. But I think you had nailed it on the head with the skits. The skits are so straightforward with what you're, with what he's trying to deliver to you, and then it's even the skits intro the next song perfectly, and I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to give you a deep understanding of what that song's about to be. Be yourself is speaking about him not being caught up in a different life and and being opposite of what he was raised, which is interesting because his mom is telling him all these things that he should be and that he needs to be. But instead, he's going in a complete opposite way because he knows who he is internally. Inherently, he knows who he is. And I think that's a beautiful aspect of this album as well. He knows who he is inherently. And then it jumps straight into Solo. Solo's great. Once again, Facebook story talks about the interesting concept of social media. Yeah. And dating someone on social media, but also in real life. And then goes straight into Close to You. Close to You is a really... One that could be easily overlooked. The song in this album that could be easily overlooked but it has a lot of great tones from that skit skits in general i'm a huge fan of skits mainly because of my man kanye mm-hmm. with late registration i think kanye did skits the best with late registration they're funny they make you excited to to listen to the skits it's not like a skits coming up and you think oh i, I need to skip it people would hear those skits and they would either want to listen to them again or know that like i don't have to skip over this skit um, I think in general, people who do skits need to be aware that it's not just a filler in the album. It's not just something that you can throw on and expect people to be okay with because it, it dumbs down your album. It brings your album down in general. If you're going to do a skit, do it just as well as your songs. That's my only, that, that is one of the things that I'm, that I have a pet peeve of when it comes to music is if you're going to do a skit, do it well and have it so that it's adding to the album, not taking away from it. The skit has to make sense. Like it, it has to like like you were saying like they flo- like Frank Ocean's album they flow perfectly into the next song speaking on directly what he's trying to get across in that next song. It's an interesting concept because I think like obviously you know we're all passionate about music in this in this podcast and I think with that being said we have a more honest opinion or a more open mind is what I meant to say about actually listening and interpreting what is being said in those skits. I think a lot of people like you were saying trying to say like. They're just going to hear that and be like, oh, it's, he's not singing, nothing is coming, screw it, we're never going to play this. But I think that's literally part of the song. Like, I think that's like, I mean, granted, it's technically like, it's a separation, but like, I literally think that's just like, as long as they do it right and they put as much seriousness into it and mind set into it as the actual song to follow it, then I think it's it's a good concept. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I don't want to get like too political with it or, you know, but a lot of the times I have beef with something is when it's taken out of context. I think that can be said about plenty of things and we could do a whole podcast about people taking Bible verse out of context or tweets out of context or 
whatever it could be, these skits are worth listening to because of the songs that follow. Brett said this. Be Yourself comes right before Solo, and even when we're listening to it, it, it creates a physical reaction to the to like one song from another. The transition is worth listening to. It's really cool. What I want to talk about is Facebook story talking about um, the distance we create with with the moment, with living in the moment. It doesn't happen nearly as much anymore as it used to because of social media. And it's crazy. That's what he addresses in a weird way in this story. This man is saying, so his girlfriend asks him to friend him on Facebook. And he seems like he's in this old fashioned guy. He goes, why do I have to do that? Like we're right here. Like we're already dating. We don't need to be quote unquote friends on Facebook. And it's an interesting concept because you listening and us for on the podcast, we don't need to be friends with a lot of the people we're friends with on Facebook. Um, and I use quotes around friends, Facebook friends heavily because they really aren't friends. Let's be mindful about who we put in our lives. That's exactly what Frank does with Facebook story. Track 13, the track right after it is literally called close to you about proximity, about intimacy. Those two paired together, it's perfect. But if you take Facebook story and just put it on YouTube and listen to it, it's nothing special. It the the agenda it seems it, it seems ill sought out. It it doesn't fit. Look, artists aren't making music to make your Saturday night better. They're not making it so that you're having more fun time when you're out partying or whatever you're doing. These skits are not for your enjoyment necessarily they can be and if they're done well they often are but they're about you know making a point and speaking to something almost always uh like brett said kanye he kind of made skits something to be done well he was like the first maybe there was someone before that i don't know about but he for me in my music uh listening career you could say he was the first one who did it this is a little plug but logic um, he's an amazing rapper. We love him here at the podcast. He actually is fantastic at skits. He made me fall in love with skits as much as Kanye did. Go back to his old mixtapes like Welcome to Forever and Young Sinatra. He has fantastic skits on there about deep stuff, you know, about how um, his dad was super strict and was looking out for him. Chance does that a little bit too on acid rap. So just uh, pay attention to skits. Uh, we love them. You probably should love them too just give them a chance i'd also say another thing to plug skits as well old school rap did skits well i'd say they did them well because rap came out of a place of having fun uh, came out of a place of wanting people to uh, know what their experiences were but also being storytellers and i think a part of being a storyteller is being able to transition well and old school rap back in the 90s, back in the late 80s, uh, the rappers who weren't taking themselves too seriously and who weren't angry, but who were actually having a good time and um, playing around with it, were making skits and making funny skits and being able to allow people to hear a different side of them in their albums. So if you want to hear some of that, I believe Snoop back in the day had a couple albums that had skits on them. Uh, I believe Slick Rick had some, uh, I believe, Guru, the Guru had some, Kwame may have had some, 
Uh, LL Cool J may have had some back in the day. So yeah, I'd say look up some of those rappers, look up old school hip hop, and know that skits are a pretty timeless part of hip hop. I thought that I was dreaming when you said you love me. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the first half of our episode. The first two episodes of this podcast were, uh, we kind of talked about music that was brand new, and I think that was really beneficial for a lot of people, but I think we kind of got lucky. This month, there's a ton of new music that we were able to talk about. Moving forward, though, we won't always be able to talk about new music, especially this episode. Blonde is pretty new. Um, Miguel, the last thing he did was Spotify Sessions, which is noteworthy, but it's nothing super special. And so we want to be able to keep every episode relevant. And that's based on feedback I've gotten um, from certain people. And so we want to have a segment in the middle of every episode called Keeping It Relevant. And that's what we're doing right now. So I'm going to start it off with Blonde and talk about the features it has. And just from looking at the album and the track list, you wouldn't think that there's anyone who contributes contributes to this except Frank Ocean, and that is completely wrong. How many people he has helping him out on this, from production to arrangement to drum programming to uh, additional vocals, guitar, bass, just all of that. And to jump into it, Pink and White track three has Pharrell basically throughout the entire thing on the keyboards, on the drums, and on production. And then it goes into track 10, which is Solo Reprise. And Frank is non-existent on this track. It is Andre Benjamin, also known as Andre 3000. What a guy. (laughs) That guy can kill it. And Three stacks. (laughs) Three stacks. James Blake, also on Solo Reprise and... Other tracks, such a talented artist, and I would say James Blake. If you want to look him up, we'll pro- we'll probably throw him in uh, on the Spotify playlist now that we've talked about it. But he is a song. The song I would look up is "Life Round Here." It's got Chance on it. It does a fantastic job of like, mm-hmm. it'll make it easy to listen to because I'm sure a lot of you listening uh, have listened to Chance bare minimum, but probably love Chance the Rapper and his verse on that song is fantastic. So you should look that up. Yeah, and the next person would be Francis Starlight, Francis and the Lights, Francis and the Lights. Mm-hmm. Also, talented artist, worked with Bonnie Vare, Friends. Yeah, we'll look that, that up. Yeah, that song. Worked with Kanye West as well. Mm. And what a lot of people would pass up on the features would be Beyonce and Kanye, who you would have no idea. We're on this. Kanye on as a writer contributor to White Ferrari. Yeah, then you have Beyonce who is on Pink and White as additional vocals and go back and try to find that because her voice is absolutely beautiful. Uh, I have two things. I had one thing and then I just thought of a second thing. Uh, my So... We just talked about Frank Ocean. After this, we're about to talk about Miguel. Miguel um, is one of my favorite R&B singers. Um, he's fantastic. I think you guys will like him if you haven't heard about him yet. On his album from 2012, 
there's a song, there's a track called Use Me. It's track number three. It's a decent track. I don't love it. Um, but I was looking up uh, the track, just like Patrick did. Um, there are... Uh, you can find, like, who produces a track and who um, features on the track, uh, like, instrumentation and stuff. And so I was looking back, and I saw that this guy named Ro James um, actually wrote for the track. So I I had heard of him a little bit. He was really popular this year. His song, Permission, I feel like you guys have probably heard. It was number 37 on the Billboard charts, I think it that was like its peak for popularity. It's a really good song. But this guy's crazy. He's uh, He just turned 24, super young guy. So he was, I think he was barely... 20 he might have been 19 when he wrote for miguel in this song he has an interesting story his aunt was a singer for prince uh, r.i.p prince we love prince he um because of that he was in love with the album purple rain and that helped him become the writer he is uh, miguel found him and put him on his second album and that's kind of how he got famous like we were just saying the spotify playlist is meant to lead you guys to good music. This is this guy, Ro James. He is a fantastic R&B hip hop guy. He um, he's on the come up in terms of R&B. Frank Ocean and Miguel are about as good as you can get, but Ro James is right under there, and people sleep on them or sleep on him um, mostly just because he is kind of the under the radar. If you guys have not heard of NPR's tiny desk concerts they're fantastic they really like show um how a person can be musically talented and it doesn't necessarily matter about the fame i think my favorite one is t-pain's because he he like flexes his vocals which is really crazy not many people thought he could actually sing but he, he's fantastic ro james was just on there um it's a must watch youtube video and we will link that in the bio my second topic super quick we are Recording this on Tuesday, December 20th. Last Saturday, Chance the Rapper was on SNL. His two songs, so he did Same Drugs and Finish Line and Drown. Um, both amazing performances. Probably the best musical guest on SNL. I'm trying to be as objective as possible, but he was so, so good. He speaks about Jesus a lot on it, which is really cool. So if you love that kind of stuff like we do, definitely look that up on YouTube. I shared it on Facebook, too, so you can find it there. Lastly, Brett Saunders here. Gonna plug a good man, an interesting man, one that most people sleep on, but we believe that you guys should jump on it. Uh, my good man, Jaden Smith, son of Will Smith and Jada Pinkett, just... Someone who's been on the come up for a while, uh, has some interesting clothing choices, has some interesting philosophies about life in general, but I think his music, he's ex he experiments, he thinks about it, and he wants to do something different, and I think that's what sets him apart. So it's worth listening to. I'll throw out a few songs. Fallen is a great one by him. Scarface, another good one. Uh, we have Blue Ocean. And then finally, Offering. So all songs that you can find on YouTube. He also has an EP out on iTunes called CTV2. So the letters CTV and then 2. Uh, interesting album once again. It's kind of out there with the production. 
out there with the with the lyrics as well. But he's an introspective kid. He knows what he's talking about, and he's just trying to do something that's out there, kind of like his sister. He and his sister are doing great things. But uh, definitely check out my man, Jaden Smith. He is a diamond in the rough right now. Mm. So peep him before everybody else does. Featured on Kawaii too, which is cool. And heavily influenced by my man's Kid Cudi. Yeah, very true. Truth. So peep him. Yeah, here's the second half of the episode uh, with Miguel. Yeah, yeah. Um. What's up, guys? So, just had a little break. Uh, first part of the episode, we talked about Frank Ocean. He was our highlighted artist. Our featured artist for this episode is Miguel. Um, really cool guy. I've liked him for a really long time. We have three albums to talk about, and then two separate sets of. Uh, Spotify sessions from him. Uh, he's a pretty interesting dude. First album is All I Want Is You back in 2010. So kind of interestingly enough, came up at the same time pretty much as Frank Ocean. Um, they're really easy to compare and contrast. This album, in my opinion, is probably 80% bad. And I can say that objectively. It's not even like a. It's not even my opinion. It's just like really weird. But there are songs on there that are worth listening to. If they don't make it to the Spotify playlist, listen to. Well, sure thing is fantastic. All I want is you is worth listening to the, the album title track because J Cole is on it. Girl with the tattoo. Enter dot lewd. Uh, he does that twice. I don't know why he didn't just say interlude or why he even said it at all. But Girl with the Tattoo is a great song. Um, Quickie is also good. We'll do a little, we'll talk about his vibrant sexuality in a little bit. But this man probably is the, he might be the horn, one of the horniest guys in music, honestly. That is without a doubt. It's the yeah, truth. 100%. He's a crazy dude. All I want is you. Really never vibed with it. Enjoyed. It mainly, I enjoyed this album mainly because of Girl with the Tattoo interlude. Uh, I heard this song and I'm not a very, I'm not a very emotional person, to be honest, but I heard Girl with the Tattoo the first time and I started crying. Uh, It's a beautiful song. Oh my gosh, it's orchestrated so well and his voice just moves in and out of those chords and up through those chords and down through the chords and if you listen to that song, put on headphones, go to a place that is silent and where it feels like a vacuum and really immerse yourself in that song because it's going to it's it's going to be a different experience that you've ever experienced before. Uh, yeah, Girl with a Tattoo, one of his, in my opinion, it is the best song on that album, mm. but that's just in my opinion. Miguel really got popular with Sure Thing, I would imagine. I mean, it's pro- it's still one of his most popular songs. You know, we like to use Spotify as reference. Sure thing right now is his number one song. 72 million listens. It's really the only, it's the only song in his top 10 that's from that album. And I think that's for a good reason. The production on this album, it's not horrible by any means. But it just, you know, he really improved album by album in that sense. He produces this album in a weird way. We were kind of talking about it. But throughout his whole music, throughout his whole discography, I should say. Excuse me. His music is produced in a way that isn't necessarily 
parallel to his vocals. Um, it's very interesting. He he even dresses different than you'd think he would. He dresses like he's some like alt rock star. He's got rips in his jeans and he wears bandanas, and not in like the chill way that Frank Ocean wears bandanas or used to. But this man wears leather, and Miguel has an R and B slash soul voice. Um, but produces music honestly like it's rock and roll it works for so much of his music it works beautifully but a lot of times it did not work on all i want is you yeah i would definitely follow up with holden and say kaleidoscope dream and wild heart is where he started to refine his craft and he also found out who he was as an artist i think in all i want is you the glasses the haircut the style wasn't really working for him, but also the musical style wasn't working for him either. Uh, there's just way too much going on. I think if I'm going to parallel really quick, Frank's Blonde has different genres, but they work together well. It doesn't work well when you have different genres going on, but nothing makes sense. And I think All I Want Is You doesn't make sense. He's trying to find out what his sound is, and All I Want Is You. Kaleidoscope Dream, he finds it. In Kaleidoscope Dream, you will hear a lot of electric guitar, a lot of, a lot of electric guitar, which has gain on it and which has uh, crunch on it, and you hear that crunch, and it's and it's something that he puts in almost all the songs intentionally because just like Holden says, he's giving off a rock star appeal, and his rock star appeal has been able to shine through more and more through the years and has become more apparent. I think on Kaleidoscope Dream, the thrill, dope song, use me, dope song, adorn. Dope song. How many drinks? A dope song. So I think in general, the album Kaleidoscope Dream is a is where he found his voice and where, and where he found out who he was as a musician. I agree in so many ways. It, it's just a simple case of being confused in the beginning and finding out who he was. He he thought being a rock star was having the mic wrap around his head with these fancy glasses and this huge leather jacket, he thought being a rock star was the key to making it. And you can hear that in the production. He's so confused with what he wants to do. He has a beautiful, he was, he was gifted with a beautiful R and B voice. Um, like Brett has talked about, he floats between chords up and down. Probably. I mean, he riffs better than probably 99% of people in music right now i'm not i mean he sings like people used to sing you know and people don't sing like this anymore and that's the reason i love him yeah. um but he produced his he produces his songs like he wants them on the radio and he's begging to get them on the radio and that doesn't work i guess it might have here the weekend but it didn't work for him on kaleidoscope dream one more thing candles in the sun is a beautiful story um it is amazing um Really quick before we talk about uh, Wild Heart, which came out in 2015. In 2013, Miguel did Spotify Sessions in London. It is an eight-track, quote-unquote, album on the Spotify. We'll probably pull some of that for the uh, playlist. But he has four intros and four songs. The four songs that he does are Sure Thing, The Thrill, Candles in the Sun, and Adorn. Those four songs are probably all in his top 10 he has incredible vocals on the spotify sessions the candles in the sun spotify sessions track is my favorite song 
by Miguel in his whole discography. That's just my opinion, but I think it's so beautiful. Please listen to that song. Do it the same way that you listened to, and we're trusting that you'll listen to Girl with the Tattoo. Throw on headphones. If you have noise-canceling headphones or over-the-top-of-your-head over headphones, listen to those songs because those are songs where he is you can tell that you know he's starting to figure out who he is he's starting to really own his vocals and own his production skills and whatnot so with kaleidoscope dream i remember hearing in an interview by miguel where he speaks about his sexuality and in kaleidoscope dream he's he wants people to know who he is and how sexual he can be so there's a lot of sexuality thrown out in kaleidoscope and, and and it may not be apparent that it's directed toward one person. You feel like when you're listening to Kaleidoscope Dream, you may feel like he's speaking to, I just want to be with women. I just want to have sex with them. And I just want them to know, like, I am a man and I'm very masculine. But the truth is, is with Wild Heart, he takes a different stance. And he says that in Wild Heart, I want people to know that this is directed toward the woman that I love and the woman that I'm with. And she's my wife and I want you to know that like we enjoy each other and we love each other. So definitely a much more sexual album, but it's pointed toward his wife. Wild Heart has some amazing songs. Coffee is a great one. Waves is a great one. I think one that people sleep on. And if you sleep on it, I'm telling you right now, get those headphones, the over the ear, over the head, he uh, headphones, pop them on, make sure that they're properly fit and listen to what's normal. Anyway, what's normal anyway is such an amazing song. Uh, it's it's one that kind of caught me off guard when I first heard it. I didn't expect that to be on the album. And when I listened to it, it was great. So, yeah. Yeah, I think What's Normal Anyway is the peak of his emotional depth as an artist versus Frank, who is probably emotionally above most people's comprehension. Beautiful in the way he expresses his thoughts and his emotions on his music. I don't know if he is, but he tries to be more of a man's man, like Brett said. He's got this machismo attitude, but people don't give him credit because also, like Brett said, all of this love and all of this sexuality and sexual energy is meant to be celebrated because it's with the woman he loves. You know, he's been married to this girl for, I think, 10 years, um, which is awesome. Uh, and, and you can tell he really loves her and that's pretty cool. Wild Heart, looking at the deluxe version specifically, a few things I love. The first song is called A Beautiful Exit. Um, that's him being creative. He really found his creativity with this album. Coffee is a great song. I would recommend listening to the regular version, not the other version that is titled something else that I won't say. Uh, Waves was very popular. It was so popular that he even came out with a little EP called Rogue Waves, where he does several collaborations working on the same song um, with a lot of different artists, which was really cool. Um, I think, who is in that one? There's one that I really love. There's Tame Impala. Oh, Paul. yeah. Tame Impala one is great. RAC, I like too. A lot of people like the Casey Musgraves one. It's not my favorite, but most mentionable is the one with Travis Scott. I love that one. That's one that you'd probably hear at a party. It's a little more hip-hoppy, which is really cool. And then, yeah, songs like What's Normal Anyway, so deep emotionally, so vulnerable. Leaves is a great song, beautiful song about California and 
It's uh, deeper than it seems. And then kind of to finish it off, Face the Sun. I don't love the song, but just the fact that he had Lenny Kravitz on it is mentioning because Lenny Kravitz is a man. Every night fucks every day up. Every day <sighs> Man. Podcasting, it's pretty tough. Yeah. So tough. Uh, you know why it's really tough is because we're talking a lot, and you know what that does? It makes us thirsty. Mm. Patrick, you're right, what you're do right. we drink every episode? LaCroix. And LaCroix, guess baby. what? They don't pay us any money. But LaCroix, it's our favorite drink. It is. Try cherry lime. Cherry lime LaCroix, it comes in a tall can, <laughs> still 12 ounces. It's fantastic. I think it's called like LaCroix Curate. Yeah. Is that racist for me to say it like that? It's French. French. Okay, yeah. can't do a French accent. Uh, LaCroix doesn't pay us any money. Uh, no one pays us any money. But we thought it would be funny to kind of flex our... Uh, our Influence. Yeah, our... Uh, what is it called? What is it called when someone pays you to do stuff? Hi. Our sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, our sponsor skills. So if you'd like to sponsor us, endorse us, and let us drink for free, please, by all means... Hit us up, LaCroix. Yeah. Hit us up. LaCroix. Salsa sponsorship. Specifically, Pumplemousse. I love Pumplemousse. Pumplemousse, yeah, it's true. It's true. Pumplemousse. About your summer last night. Oh, yeah. About your summer last night. I give you no play. Mm. Could I make it shy last night? Could I make it shy on the last night? And that concludes the third episode of Listeners Anonymous. Thank you guys so much for listening. I wanted to say thank you to a few of my friends for helping me put this episode together. First, I wanted to say thank you to Brett Saunders for providing the music. Secondly, I wanted to say thank you to my friend Maddie Jones for providing our new logo. If you want to follow us on social media, all of those links will be in the bio, as well as a few videos or playlists that we have mentioned throughout the episode. Thank you guys so much for watching, and please spread the word to LaCroix to get us sponsored. Thanks again. See ya.